When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. We left our hero in a state of perplexity and confusion. He has just witnessed an inexplicable encounter between a man whom he thought of as an ally, and a man whom he's quite certain is plotting to kill him. Even his own brain seems to be plotting against him. Who, oh who, is a vice-chancellor to trust? This is... Day 8, Part 2, Among the Lowest of the Dead It is the eighth day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is around seven o'clock in the evening, in the private study of the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin... So, Black Jack Hoborn is in Aldergate. That can mean only one thing. Yes, but what is it, though? The conclave can't be finished yet. No, not a chance. These things always take ages, even when it's not fatricide on the line. And yet, bloody Sir John has seen fit to fly all the way back to England for a day trip between sessions. Must be important business, yes? Vitally important, a matter of life or death, even. What other sort of business is there for the founder of Ultirat and the sitting Manarch? 
Hmm, but what is he up to? And what the twist has it got to do with your chief constable? Yes, that is a good question. Wheels within wheels, selfie boy. Hard to know where the puppets end and the strings begin. Hoborn and Standish. Standish and Hoborn. What's it all about, eh? Hmm, consider now. Here's the chief constable of the University of Aldergate. It's honest work, and Standish seems to all appearances like a perfectly decent chap. So how did he manage to attract the attention of Sir John? Hmm, this is dangerous territory for you, self old paranoiac. Your rattletrap brain loves drawing connections, but it isn't frightfully adept at telling the good ones from the bad. And yet, in this case, you struggle to spot any at all of any quality whatsoever. Hoborn and Standish. Standish and Hoborn. The lowly lawman and the manus Hokkaido. Hmm, certainly not a social acquaintanceship. Of course, far as you know, Standish has no life at all outside of the university. Then again, the university is a concern in which Sir John appears to hold a surprisingly extensive stake. So, all right then, their paths crossed at Watergate. But what precisely can have been the intersection? <sighs> Standish. Hoborn. The visible face of a law without force, and the invisible hand of a force beyond the law. Standish and Hoborn. What's a cop got to do with a killer? <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it sounds stupid. But it's safe to say Blackjack Hoborn falls a bit outside the remit of your university bobby. You will probably have the privilege of being the first person whom Sir John actually murders inside Aldergate. And even so, it... Wait. No. That's... that's ridiculous. No, it's just not... it doesn't square, does it? Does it? Oh, twist it all. You feel an utter idiot for not having thought of it before, but... Could Sir John be behind Sammy's murder? Yeah. No, he couldn't have. In fact, you know that he didn't, because, well, if he had, you'd know it. Wouldn't you? Blackjack Hoborn may have an ocean of blood on his hands, but he's bound as tight by the bonds of bastardom as you are. As the sitting Manoch, he is absolutely not permitted to go about the place wreaking slaughter without prior approval. Sammy wasn't Herodis but she was no trivial pleb to be chopped up on a whim. You would have been by no means shocked if there had been a burgeoning movement on the Vox in Audita to have her extinguished as an agent of destabilization. But, well, there wasn't. Was there? 
not that you were aware of. But then you weren't looking for it, and you have been awfully preoccupied. Hmm. Then again, suppose Sir John was freelancing. Very naughty of him, but not impossible. It seems entirely plausible that he might have wanted Sammy out of the way. Ambitious Sammy. Indelicate Sammy. Sammy, who somehow landed the council seat right next to his. Hmm. Is that where Standish comes in? He is heading up Sammy's investigation. The university's bit of it, at any rate. Sammy's investigation. Yes. Hoborn did not seem like a happy man when you saw him this morning. That's excellent news for you. But if he's feeling salty, why isn't he off bayoneting babies or whatever he does to cheer himself up? What's he doing butting heads with the local fuzz? Hasn't he got his own employees to bark at without coming after yours? Hmm. Employees. What if Standish... Hmm. But, but employed for what, do you suppose? What is this arrangement of which he spoke? Is it to do with Sammy? Is it to do with you? Oof. No, no good. The puzzle's a mess, and you're missing too many pieces. At least your mysteries are more or less all of a piece. Solve one, you probably solve them all. Hmm, just like Lapdaemon. All things know all things. So, if you can never get a proper hold of a single perfectly true fact, everything else ought to fall into line. So, achieve the impossible, and the rest becomes easier. Jolly good. For now, the important thing is that Sir John is in a bad mood. That speaks well for your short-term survival, at any rate. And it speaks well for Standish, too, as it seems he's the one who's got Black Jack annoyed. The fact that those two are on speaking terms has the old alarm bells ringing off their yokes, but unless Alterat is having some sort of staffing crisis, it's not likely that the old villain was trying to recruit your assassin. And, if he was, then he was disappointed. So, chin up and press on, what? Yes. Back to Weatherby. Back to the little parking lot, scene of the mysterious encounter. Standish joined you in watching the Cloudesk out of sight. Then he went back to his panda car, leaned against the bonnet, and conjured a cigarette. He looked at it long and hard, as if it baffled him. Then the shakes began. Pressing hand to mouth, Standish clamped the Super King between bloodless lips and hauled out a silver lighter, from which he tried in vain to coax an enduring flame.
Spark, flicker, out. Spark, flicker, out. Again and again, patiently, doggedly, hands clasped together and braced against his thigh. You saw the cigarette fall, glance off the shining toe of your chief constable's left boot, and drop to the asphalt. You turned away. <sighs> Things fall apart. You know that as well as anybody. Bodies fall apart. Yours knows that as well as anybody. And, as well as anybody, you know how it hurts to watch them do it. So, you struck out overland. No telling where Baz had wandered off to, but the Midwinter Hill meeting had been meant to fill the morning, so you'd an unexpected gap in today's brutal schedule. At first, your steps had no to to guide them, merely a from. However, as you ambled round the high hedge wall that screens Weatherby Four from the rest of the medical campus, the musical egg came scooting out from behind your left ear and soared up into the grey November sky. Don't forget, its tootling tune seemed to say. Don't forget, you're deteriorating as fast as anybody. Rub it in, M.E. Rub it in. And so you turned your steps towards Lagargon, the hideous hulk of Weatherby One, where, if anywhere, you may find a doctor with the skill and the discretion to tune up the rattly brain of Adrian Ward. Hmm. Yes. Things do fall apart. That much is undeniable. What surprised you is how quickly they can sometimes pull themselves back together again. You had just reached La Gorgon's Cyclopean Portico, a great warped cement slab propped up on concrete piles, and you were seriously reconsidering your plan of action when Standish blew right past you. He seemed revitalized, or at least a man on a mission. The perfect tin soldier, narrow shoulders squared and chest puffed out like a pigeon. It was surprise more than anything that made you call after him. His torso heard you first. He was turning before his legs realized it was time to stop, and his face got the message last of all. For a split second, you saw your chief constable wearing an expression that you're quite at a loss to describe. Afraid? Angry? Aroused? Anyhow, an instant later, word reached the boys in the Standish control room that the VC was on deck, and respectful blankness conquered all. He came to a halt, and somehow got his heels to click as he came to attention. Sir Adrian, he said. How may I serve, sir? Well, of course he could start by knocking off all that feudal stuff. How may I serve? 
You know, during the parade yesterday, you thought he was being an awfully good sport, what with that cloak and that beastly helmet. But part of you suspects him of rather enjoying it. I suppose there's a certain ceremonial charm to the rituals of hierarchy, but you'd been marinating in the stuff for the past twenty-four hours, and enough is quite enough. To start with, you said, you can knock off that Sir Adrian guff. Yes, sir, he responded. Happy to oblige in any way I can. Is there another term of address you might? Gesture. A fair question, of course, but a surprisingly difficult one to answer. You didn't particularly want him calling you Adrian. You are his boss, after all. But it's a squirmy sort of thing, telling a grown chap to call you Mr. Ward. Besides, there's something so perfectly... Hmm, servile isn't the right word. So very subordinate about Standish that you felt he'd have been equally amenable to calling you Sweetheart or Your Highness if you told him to. Not quite what you're looking for out of that particular relationship, and not a conversation you intended to have on the threshold of a large and busy hospital. So you asked him what he'd called Sir Reggie, and he said Vice-Chancellor. So you said, right ho then. With that out of the way, you wanted him out of the way. You had poking about to do. And, if the chap was here for treatment, you hardly liked to detain him. As it turned out, however, Standish's visit to Weatherby had quite a different purpose. Oh, no, Vice-Chancellor, not today. Very considerate of you to remember, sir, but no. This is with regard to Miss Braden. Well, that got your attention. You leaned in, and stared the two of you behind a column as a knot of white coats gabbled past. Standish continued. Matters of shared jurisdiction are always a bit sensitive, sir, as I'm sure you can imagine. The analysis of the remains has, of course, been led by the county medical examiner, but... That investigation has been performed here at the Weatherby Center. I've done my best to maintain a generally low profile for the investigation, but one of the residents has taken an interest. When the county concluded its interest in the evidence, I could not see my way clear to denying Dr. Yi access, particularly as there are a few questions that remain. Gesture. Standish gave a half-shrug. This morning I received an email from Dr. Yi. He has asked that... Gesture. Annoying though it can be, there are benefits to your chief constable's habit of leaving his sentences incomplete. After all, if you're compelled to finish the thing for him, you'll do so however you see fit. Wants a chat, does he? You clapped Standish on the shoulder, gently. Wants to give out all the sensitive details in person. Like on television, 
when the chap with the big clue rings up the detectives, but won't say what's what until they get there. Well, we'd better hurry, hadn't we, before the poor fellow becomes victim number two. He didn't quite seem to get it, but he didn't object. Very well, Vice-Chancellor, if you would please. Gesture. You would. And Standish led the way, into the grim hospital foyer and through the grim reception area, to a grim bank of the grimmest sort of grey brushed steel lifts. Ding! When your sleuthing took you to the twin obelisks of Triple E, you'd noticed that there was as much tower below ground as above. The same is true at Weatherby One, though at this point you'd still no idea how true. Each button had its neat explanatory label, with residential suites right up at the top. Standish clenched a fist and applied his foreknuckle to the bottom button. The one labelled, forthrightly, if rather indelicately, Pathological Sciences and Morgue. Down you went. So, you said as the descent began. Nobody really likes elevator music, but Standish's company somehow makes silence more than usually embarrassing. Well now... It's been a few days since last we chatted. What news on the Rialto? Any new developments in the case, as we detectives say? Not as such, Vice-Chancellor. I'm afraid not. Perhaps Dr. Yi. Gesture. Ah, yes. You found yourself slipping into the role of the tiresomely enthusiastic junior partner rather more easily than you might have expected. Could be a big break, what? Telltale bruising patterns, suggestive blood splatters, DNA of an unknown third party, that sort of thing. Standish gave another half-shrug. I'm afraid that's not likely, sir. Pretty sure the M.E. has already done all that can be done on that front. Now, this is about the missing foot. Between you and me, sir... You raised your hand. Wires had been crossed somewhere. You mean the missing body, don't you? Well, sir... But at that juncture the lift doors opened... Standish trailed off, and you followed him out into an unexpectedly cherry and well-lit entryway. Concrete floors, but stained in a red-and-gold checkerboard, and warm chestnutty panelling, not the clinical green tile you might have expected. They've even got a little fountain, a rather surreal bronze rod of Asclepius, twined by a sinuous arm with root-like fingers at one end and an endlessly gushing mouth at the other. Mm, sounds dreadful when you describe it like that, but it's actually not bad. Anyhow, Standish led the way around a set of frosted glass baffles and into what you can only describe as a sort of open-plan autopsy suite. 
You had never been in a pathology lab before. A tidal wave of preconceptions and expectations crashed dizzily upon a distressingly undistressing reality. A brisk citrus scent pervaded without cloying. Those big drawers along one wall might have contained something other than office supplies, but if so, it didn't seem to bother the busy rainbow of surgical scrubs that padded hither and thither all round you. Artfully placed partitions offered a bit of privacy for the draped human meat which circled round the broad aisles on refrigerated carts. All remarkably cheery, considering. Place felt more like a med spa than anything else. A med spa where the patients can rest in peaceful certainty of never aging another day. It was with a roller coastery sensation, therefore, that you followed your chief constable through this little enclave of death in Arcady and out the other side. Through a rec room, through a kitchenette, and through a discreet, unmarked door, and into an access corridor. At the end of the corridor, another lift awaited, at the top of its shaft. Nowhere to go but down. This lift, though more remote, seemed somehow much more heavily used than the one you'd been in earlier. Its buttons may have been labeled once, back when it was a young lift and the world was less complicated. Now, however, the whole panel is a mess of built-up layers of labels and stickers and masking tape, covered in the scrawls of a dozen dozen hands. You made out Facial Reconfiguration and Transspecies Practicum, and then you stopped looking. You oughtn't to have been surprised. No matter where you go in Aldergate, real estate is at a premium, and somebody always needs new space to do their new thing, whatever that new thing happens to be. No wonder the bowels of Weatherby are churning. It's exciting, really. Or, well, yes, best leave it at exciting. Standish prodded the third button down, and your descent resumed. You tried to reignite the conversation where it had fizzled out. Sam's body, you prompted. Just a quick point of clarification. You said something about missing feet. It's her body that's the puzzler, what? Feet, present and correct. Body, a wall. Yes? Standish gave a deferential knee-bend. I must apologize, sir. I didn't mean to withhold information, but I have been relying on reports from the M.E., and it seems there are certain points which, while evidently unrelated to the case, ought not to have escaped my notice. The fact is... The lift doors opened... Evidently, there's some immutable law of physics that no conversation can survive the opening of a lift, because Standish lapsed into silence again. Obnoxious. 
Anyhow, you followed him out into yet another corridor. This one was far more morgish than the morgue had been. Weatherby's dedicated pathologists must have decided that their job was grim enough, and buried Le Corbusier's brutality beneath wood paneling and soft lighting. Down below, where the facilities are grab as grab can, seems nobody's claimed the territory long enough to want to humanize it. Hard corners, and nothing but aging buffed concrete everywhere, up, down, and on all sides. You could only tell which way was up by assuming that the bit with the most cracks and the darkest stains must be the floor. Ugh, awful corridor, really dreadful. Sort of corridor that wants nothing more out of life than to have a jiggly blonde girl chased down it by something noisy made of knives. Not a place you'd care to roam alone. But then, there wasn't much alone to be had. Not at that moment. Even in the midst of death, we're still pretty lively here at Aldergate. That terrible corridor fairly teemed with students, in scrubs and lab coats and hazmat gear, their footsteps mingling with the hum of the glowing white panels overhead. Standish seemed to be counting. You began to think about Baz and how she'd probably dispatched a search party for you. The time to go meeting college heads was not yet nigh, but it was nigher than it had been, and you were only getting farther and farther from the banana-mobile. At length, however, your chief constable stopped at an anonymous metal door and rap-a-tap-tapped. You waited... The door had a little diamond-shaped glass window, with a half-finished daily bystander crossword hanging down over it on the inside. The paper twitched. Then you could hear something heavy being dragged out of the way, and the door opened. Your single strongest impression of Dr. Yi is that he looks very much like a 1990s-era Eddie Murphy, He beckoned you inside, and shut the door behind you. You found yourself in a... Well, what had until recently been a chemical supply closet. A large chemical supply closet, to be sure, with big refrigerated cabinets along the back wall. But, still, very much a chemical supply closet. Standish helped Dr. Yi shove a big drum of something caution highly flammable back against the door. Then, well, then it was introductions all round. Hello, hello, hello. Everybody pleased to meet everybody. But you, your mind was elsewhere. Not on walkabout. No, no. You remember everything quite clearly, sort of, and the memory promises to be a lingering one. Yes. In the middle of the room, the racks and boxes had been shoved aside to accommodate three stainless steel utility carts. 
Two of these were loaded to capacity with the gleaming instruments of the tissue analyst's trade. The third had a big plastic tray on top, upon which lay, unnatural and unmistakable, a pair of human legs. Well then, after fifteen illustrious years apart, the reunion between Adrian Ward and Samantha Braden has come under what one cannot but feel are less than ideal circumstances. Our hero must do the best he can, however, and listen carefully for whatever his old friend may have to say. Though uncharacteristically silent, Sammy may yet have an important tale to tell. We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealtergatepapers.com Find the Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well. And spread the word, won't you? This may be my story but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. Hi there, do you like science fiction and fantasy? Well, you're in luck. Wednesday Wonders is the mutual audio feed that has all things to do with the world of the unknown. Subscribe to the full mutual audio network feed every day for amazing audio, or you can find the Wednesday Wonders for all of your sci-fi and fantasy needs in your favourite podcast player. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.